Hi, and welcome to episode 13 of IoT This Week. I'm your host, Craig Smith, and it is February 24th, 2016, so let's get started. Okay, so for our first story, it involves the FTC and ASUS, and specifically ASUS routers. So to um, settle charges from the FTC against ASUS about insecure routers and those routers having critical security flaws, ASUS has agreed to establish and maintain a security program which will be subject to independent audits for the next two decades. So that's 20 years that the that ASUS will be subject to independent audits for their um, ASUS home routers. So it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out with other um, router manufacturers. Um, and honestly, I mean, my opinion is that they should be held accountable for security in these routers because they are obviously they're the gateways to all the home, most of the home networks on the internet. And, you know, the gateway is supposed to be some point of, there's supposed to be some security on that point of entry into your home network. And a lot of these routers, um, yeah, they're just not there as far as um, security goes, and they're putting a lot of um, home networks at risk because they are not secure. So, yeah, so I think this is a good thing by FT by the FTC against ASUS. Now we'll see how well they do at enforcing it and making ASUS, you know, fall along with these independent audits. But we could see this come, you know, this kind of ruling against other router manufacturers because ASUS – Unfortunately, they're not the only one that's had um, critical vulnerabilities um, in their home routers, which, you know, the number of routers is in the hundreds of thousands, you know, millions probably um, that may be vulnerable. So anyway, so I think this is a good thing by the FTC. Like I said, we'll see how they do with enforcing it. And our next story comes from uh, Forbes, and it's actually the the uh, name of the series, actually, it's a four-part four series that's called The Investor's Guide to IoT. Now, even though the title says Investor's Guide, there actually there's some pretty good information in here is for people who may not, may not be investing in IoT, but just um, they want to understand more about IoT. So the first part is called Understanding the Ecosystem, and they've got an interesting graphic in here called The Seven Layers of the Internet of Things. And... It's um, it's a pretty cool graphic actually. The way they've got it got it broken up. So basically, so it kind of goes along with the OSI model, the seven layers in the OSI model. But um, they've got it broken up into basically. So it's layer one: devices, sensors, and controllers. Layer two: communications, protocols, networks, um, machine to machine, Wi-Fi, so forth. Uh, layer three is cloud infrastructure, um, public, private hybrid, managed, et cetera. Layer four is big data, harvest and storage of data coming from the Internet of Things devices. Um, layer five is reporting, mining, and machining, or machine learning that data. Um, layer six is custom maps that are built using the Internet of Things data. And layer seven is transformational decision-making based on the Internet of Things apps and the data coming off uh, IoT devices. So, like I said, that's an interesting graphic they put together defining how they are defining the layers. Um, so the first article, like I said, the first article deals with understanding the ecosystem, and they've got it broken down into a couple of sections. Um, 
basically going over how kind of like a subset of the seven layers where they've got it broken up or a superset of the seven layers where they've got it broken up into um, fog computing, um, global imp- infrastructure, big data, and business value. And, but anyway, I, like I said, this is it's supposed to be geared towards investors, but again, it may be interesting reading um, if you're just looking to learn about Internet of Things and understand the ecosystem. So that's the first part. The part, the part two is supposed to be understanding the IoT vendor landscape. Part three is IoT platforms and services, which would probably be interesting um, to people who are just looking to find out about platforms. Um, and then part four will be IoT, you know, adding value um, into what they're calling the fog. And then just a quick mention how they've kind of broken down. So like I mentioned, they've got the seven layers of Internet things, but they've kind of grouped these together. So what they're calling the fog is the things, um, the devices, sensors, controllers, whatever, and the connectivity edge computing. So what they've broken broken that into what they're calling the fog. (coughs) Then the global infrastructure, that's broken into what they're calling the cloud. That makes sense. Um, Data ingestion, data analysis, that's broken up into what they're calling big data. And then applications and people in process that's broken down into business values. So anyway, those are the four sections. They've kind of um, grouped the seven layers of the Internet of Things in. So again, anyway, take a look at the article. Um, It's pretty interesting. And then our next story involves uh, another car hack, and this time it involves the Nissan Leaf, which is an all-electric vehicle, um, which I think Nissan claims is the most popular all-electric vehicle um, in the U.S., um, but anyway, the the hack involves um, the car itself. Well, not really the car itself, but, well, kind of the car itself. Um, uh, but it also involves the mobile application um, that is used with the car. I mean, this is a mobile app application similar to a lot of other manufacturers that have, like, um, mobile apps that can pull down information about your car, like, you know, what the settings are, you know, how much pressure air pressures in your tires you know gas mileage that sort of thing so the mobile app uses a it calls out to an api um, which pulls does some um, get get statements and pulls this information down to the uh, mobile application so anyway so what they found out was that if this information was actually being pulled down without any kind of authentication so not only could they pull the information down using the mobile application, but they also could fire up a Chrome browser and pull down that same information from the API. So long story short, they managed to find or pull down information about the like climate control settings in the car. Um, and one of the things apparently that the app will let you do is actually turn the climate controls on. So they were actually able to... Um, turn on or they would have been able to turn on the climate controls for you know whatever car they could um, pull down information about from the api because the api didn't have any authentication controls in there they could basically like find other people's cars and enable or disable the climate controls so it's not a um not what you call like a safety, you know, hack that involves safety because really all they could do is turn the climate controls and run the battery down or something like that. But again, it does display how um, cars that are connected, whether it's through mobile apps or whatever, still, you know, they're still vulnerable to 
not only things like this where they might be able to control the climate, but it may be that somebody can figure out how to take the hack further or whatever and actually like control other things in a car that might present a safety issue. But anyway, it's still, while this hack's not super serious, um, the, I mean, it's still an interest, it's still an interesting hack in that they were able to actually fiddle with the cars, um, controls, climate controls, um, basically by using, you know, looking at what information was being sent to the mobile app that, um, goes along with the car. But anyway, um, still an interesting, interesting article and they've actually got a write up on, um, on troyhunt.com where they write up and they've got screenshots and everything about how they did the hack and, um, some of the data they were pulling down through the API and everything. So either way, it's an interesting article nonetheless. Um, so take a look. And then our next story um, comes from Visa. Um, so looks like they're going to be enabling um, their Visa, what they call their Visa Ready program. They're going to be enabling secure payments through IoT devices. So uh, what they're what they're going to focus on first are companies who make wearables and also for automobiles. So I'm not sure. Interesting. That'd be interesting. I'm not sure what kind of payments that would be done through um, automobiles, but uh, anyway, that's what they're going to start with first: wearables and automobiles. Um, so we'll see how this plays out. Um, this is something they just announced, and we'll see. You know how secure this program really is, as far as and this is only for this is for payments and not like real, to make. Um, the data secure on IoT devices, like all the data secure on IT, IoT devices, this is just simply for um, IoT devices that want to um, conduct transactions that they can actually do these payments and transact transactions securely through the IoT device. And then the next article um, is about Thingbot, Thingbots, which is essentially it's um, botnets using Internet of Things devices. So the article basically is talking about um, how many dev IoT devices will be on, you know, be connected to the Internet by the year 2020. And we all know that's from various articles like Gartner and so forth, where it's going to be billions, like 20 billion or so devices predicted to be connected to the Internet um, by 2020. So given that given all the stories that we've seen about IOT devices and how insecure they are, it's not a reach to think that um, there will be eventually botnets composed of nothing but IOT devices because of their the insecurity of these devices that are out on the market right now. So, so it's definitely worth, uh, worth thinking about if, especially if you're a manufacturer of these things and the fact that we just saw, as I mentioned earlier in the podcast, that the FTC has come down on ASUS for putting out insecure routers. So it's not only insecure routers, but it's all these other devices that have enough power to actually combine into a botnet and then, you know, execute attacks against other targets um, uh, with these devices. So, I mean, it's, you know, even though the, a lot of the IoT devices don't have a lot of processing power, the fact that you could gather up a couple million of these things and start banging away on a, on a target, um, it presents a pretty big threat. So, anyway, it's an interesting article talking about um, what they think, uh, you know, the future of uh, botnets are, and they're calling them, obviously, thing, thing bots. So, interesting article. 
And then finally, the last article involves another hack, and this involves something that uh, we've done research on um, before, and then involves um, home security systems. So the the uh, this particular hack was on a system that we didn't actually um, test, but it's a, again, it's a home security system. It's called Simply Safe. Um, this time, um, it was IO Active, the company IO Active, um, that actually performed a hack. To, the hack on this particular system. So basically what they did, they bought two systems, um, plugged one in, uh, set it up like you normally would. Then they took the second system, pulled it apart, um, connected some, uh, you know, inexpensive um, circuit boards. Um, and basically because the keypads, the keypad is talking to the base station and there's not really any kind of authentication uh, going on between the devices, um, they could actually plug in another system that would would monitor for signals coming off the keypad. And, of course, these signals coming off the keypad involve the disarm codes. Um, so, long story short, they were able to capture the alarm codes using the second um, um, alarm system that they basically pulled apart and, and hacked in a um, circuit board. They were able to capture the signals and then use that same second alarm system to actually replay the um, network traffic um, that contained the pin codes, uh, which would be captured by the um, base station for the actual um, properly installed alarm system and, and disarm the system. So it was funny they could, uh, and they could keep repl- replaying this, that same disarm pin code in the system that was actually connected the first system that was actually connected to um, as like a proper alarm system would continually like four or five times it would say, you know, alarm disarmed or system disarmed or something like that. So anyway, uh, they did a whole, they've got a whole video out there kind of like showing what they did and so forth. So it's pretty interesting (laughs) that they were actually able to um, use two systems and tear apart the second one and turn the second one basically into a listing and, uh, uh, replay attack device. Um, so yeah, pretty cool. Okay. So the next, uh, topic I want to talk about is the OWASP, um, internet of things project. Um, and again, this project is the overall project, internet of things projects led by Daniel Meisler and myself. So one of the things we just added in the last couple of weeks, and we'll, we're going to be adding a lot more to this, um, part of the site over the next month or so. Um, so we've added a sub project, called firmware analysis and this is in addition to the other um, little sub projects we have um, which includes iot attack service areas Um, we've also added a tab for ics and scada and now we've got the uh, firmware analysis page added to the site so what we intend to do uh, i mean there's lots of already great work out there that's been done around um, analyzing um, firmware and again this is firmware you know focused on iot devices so it could be like you know, cameras, refrigerators, routers, whatever, whatever, you know, falls under the things, Internet of Things definition. So, um, as I said, what we intend to do with this site is pull together all the great work that's been put 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 together by different folks um, and try to put it into one spot. Because right now, some of the research I've done, there's, like I said, there's lots of good tools out there, but they're kind of all over the place. Um, and there's not really a good central location that kind of goes is where people are able to go and kind of just walk through like, um, you know, 
kind of through step by step what they do to need to do, or at least what they need to do to get started on um, firmware analysis um, as it relates to IoT devices. So, anyway, um, take a look at this uh, new project page. Again, you know, you can just go into Google, do a search for um, OWASP Internet of Things, and there will be a tab called Firmware Analysis. Um, so, like I said, we're going to be adding a, a quite a bit of stuff to this over the next month. Um, but right now, we've got a few. We've collected together a few tools. We've also got a page out there that'll called IoT Firmware Analysis that'll kind of get you started on the path to, um, you know, acquiring a firmware file and then kind of breaking it open and having a look inside to see what kind of uh, goodies they are there are in there. All right, so under the upcoming conferences section, there is one I wanted to mention, um, and if it's it's one I'm going to try to attend. So if it's if anybody happens to be in the Orlando, Florida area around March 12th, um, there's going to be the security B sides um, going on then. So again, if anybody happens to be who lives in Orlando, Florida, or happens to be in town that time, um, you know, take a look. Just do a search for Orlando B sides, and again, it's around March 12th. Um, but that should be a good time. And then under the section learning about IoT, um, again, if you look in the show notes, um, there, I've got a list of several boards, um, circuit boards on there that you can actually acquire and do different things if you want to experiment with IoT. Um, but a couple of the ones I'm going to mention this week, um, and I think I mentioned this on the last podcast, there's the Intel Minnow Board Max. Um, that one will run Windows 10 IoT Core. And one of the things you'll probably want to look at is to see how um, BitLocker works with that um, because Microsoft enabled it for that board. And then I think they also enabled it for the Dragonboard 410C. Um, and, then actually, and then I think they just came out with a, a new model maybe um, or a new uh, more powerful version of it. Um, I think it's like a quad core a gig of RAM or something like that for the Dragonboard. Uh, but anyway, one of the I saw it in an article, and one of the magazines had a link to I think it's Arrow that has like um, a couple thousand devices available for like seventy five bucks a piece. Um, if you want to have a look at that, the other thing it also runs, um, I think Ubuntu also has a what they're calling Ubuntu Core, um, which is probably <coughs> similar to what uh, Microsoft has done with Windows IoT, where they've kind of like slimmed it down and made it where it'll um, or optimized it for IoT devices. Um, so I've, I've actually ordered one myself, so I've looked at Windows 10 IoT, um, but it'll be interesting to see what Ubuntu IoT, basically their core IoT looks like. Um, then as far as community goes, um, again, I always like to bring this up. Uh, I mean, if you're interested in IoT, um, you know, get involved with your local OWASP group, um, you can also um, contribute to the Internet of Things project um, on OWASP. Um, if you've got any ideas or things you'd like to add to that or things that's missing, you know, add them, go onto the site, um, add those in there, or let myself or Daniel Meisler know you've got some ideas you'd like to add to the um, Internet of Things project on OWASP. And then finally, um, I'm still trying to add a item or two for the industrial Internet of Things. Um, <coughs> excuse me. So there's actually um, embed.com. Um, they've actually, RM Embed, they've actually added a pretty good um, development site, um, and, it, and it contains a whole getting started page and everything. Basically, it looks like everything you might need to know to um, start developing for the embed 
um, OS. So again, if you're in uh, industrial Internet of Things, this might be a good site to have a look at. Um, as far as you know, maybe it'll help you out on whatever IoT project you have, um, and so forth. So have a look at that if you like. Again, it's at embed.com and it's under I think it's under the development side. Um, and they've got, like I said, they've got a quite an extensive, like, uh, getting started guide. All right. So that is the podcast for this week. Um, hope everybody has a great day and thanks for listening.